This is the Hospitality Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. Hospitality is a people industry. You don't want to take away that human element. You hire the kind of employee that's going to act like an owner, that's going to have that initiative. Welcome to another Hospitality Market Scale podcast. I'm your host, Lucas. John Nichols, VP Account Management at Personiv. John has over a decade of BPO experience. For over 15 years, John has provided ongoing communication and business support for Personiv Enterprises accounts. Now, John, this is the one thing before we get to the nuts and bolts of this interview. Um, you have a MBA from Michigan State and a BA from Michigan. <laughs> now, when Michigan, see, I didn't know that Michigan State and Michigan can combine because of the big rivalry. <laughs> um, when those two end up playing in sports, I got to know whose side are you on? Well, I, I usually wait till halftime and figure out <laughs> who's got the path to victory, and then I start aligning with that team. You wear your Michigan hat with your Michigan State shirt, and who's ever winning at halftime, you'll take the other thing exactly. off. Exactly, exactly. That's great. Yeah. Well, listen, um, we're excited to talk to you today. Um, uh, clients come to Persona for business relationships instead of just regular service. So how did Persona change to match clients' needs? We've really evolved over the last uh, 10 to 12 years, and grown a lot through that evolution. Um, we oftentimes start out working with a client on one specific business function. You mentioned that we're a BPO, business process outsourcing company. So we'll take on a specific function. It might be as simple as data entry, or it could be simple graphic design services, or it could be basic accounting functions like uh, doing an accounts payable program. But as we work with the client on that program and get to know the client better, mm -hmm. oftentimes there are additional programs or functions that they would be interested in considering for outsourcing. So we will work with them to figure out a process and a solution for that specific function or need and then add that capability. So our, our growth over time has been to a pretty substantial degree driven by client needs um, you know, that, uh, you know, that weren't obvious when we started a relationship. Yeah, that's great. I know today um, we're going to focus on B2B customer experience and ingredients for a long lasting partnership. And that's the key word is partnership. So, John, in, in 2020, how is a partnership different from a typical client relationship? Well, you know, the biggest difference that, that we see is um, a more thorough understanding of what the customer really wants um, as opposed to just understanding what the customer needs. Now, that's a, there's probably kind of a fine difference. But when we start out a program, we're, we're very focused on understanding specific needs for that program. And that's usually codified or, or you know, written down via the process of determining service level agreements or SLAs. You know, we'll start with understanding you know, what level of quality is, uh, is critical, what the turnaround time is for a specific uh, type of work, uh, what level of productivity they want. 
And that will all be written down into an agreement so that we you know, have specific metrics to perform against. And we'll track those and report out on those uh, regularly. And that is you know, going a pretty good way toward making sure that the customer is pleased with the work. But the, the next step, and it's probably the most crucial step, is getting beyond those specific uh, KPIs or key performance indicators to understand what the customer really wants from the relationship and from the service. So we... So, yeah, go ahead. Well, we, we really solicit at a pretty high level customer feedback. We'll, we'll, we will encourage weekly calls with the line managers on the program and really get them talking about how the program's going, what the work looks like, what they're satisfied with, and importantly, any areas that they uh, are concerned about, any, any areas where they feel like the work could be better. And we'll try to get them to uh, really dig into what they think would make the work better, better, you know, describe what it is, provide potential samples, just give us a real insight into how it can be better. And then we go back and, and, and work on making those improvements. So what are the expectations from customers? And then once you get that expectation, what are the, what's the new expectations from like the year 2020? I know things are, are evolving. And how do you, how do you, um, you know, deliver those ex expectations? Right, right. Well, you know, one of the expectations is for continuous improvement. There, there's the, the really an expectation that, you know, where we start is not going to be where we end over a given period of time, a year or several months in a program, that we can show that we can get better and better. And some of that improvement needs to come in terms of cost savings because that really is the, the first reason somebody comes to work with us is cost savings. But once you get beyond that, it really is in, term, in, in more uh, qualitative uh, terms around what the quality of the work looks like and what the relationship looks like too. I mean, they, the relationship that the customer has with us is something that shouldn't be a constant irritant or a constant issue. They want to get past that as quickly as possible to a level where they really are satisfied with, uh, the, with the relationship and confident that the work we're doing is going to be good. So there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of communication to understand what that looks like to the customer. And we're going to talk about uh, retention uh, and how to keep your customers here in a minute. But my next question for you is, what are the three main ingredients for B2B CX? You know, I think those differ a little bit over the life of a program. At the outset of the program, we feel that being able to customize that program so that it really is geared to meet the specific needs of the customer is key and probably most important. So that takes a fair amount of work up front on both the client's part and ours to understand what uh, the program entails, what kind of skills are needed, what the output is, you know, what really uh, uh, constitutes quality work from their perspective. So based on that discovery process, we'll come up uh, with a process for how we're going to do the work and with those SLAs that I mentioned, the service level agreements that really are the performance metrics for the program and make sure that everybody's agreeing on both the process and the service level agreements. And we can't do that effectively if we're using an off-the-shelf or a cookie-cutter uh, approach to a program. We really need to go in and... Uh, delve into how the client currently does the work, what they're looking for, and what they want. 
And we'll come out of that with a truly customized program that's designed to meet their specific needs. As we talk about clients and how to keep retention and keep them happy, how important is flexibility when it comes to clients? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good point. Uh, flexibility um, is really critical primarily because the client's needs don't stay static over the life of a program. I mean, it's, very, it's, 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 it's not at all atypical for us to start a program doing one type of work and then within 18 months or two years, we're, we're doing a totally different type of work for that client. And if we're not flexible and agile and able to take on different types of work and put together different teams with different skill sets to handle that work, then we can't grow with the client. And to us, a successful relationship is one that is long-term, but also one that grows, one where we're able to, to, to build the teams that are supporting that program and provide uh, incremental savings to the client over time. So flexibility allows us to listen carefully to what the client says they need and want, um, add on team members that can do different types, oftentimes more complex work over time, and really grow with the client. So flexibility is, is, is key. That's a good point. And then you earlier you mentioned about you know getting feedback from from the client. So when it comes to client feedback, um, how do you use that information and then spin it into a, a positive experience for them? Yeah, right. For your company too. Right. And you know, a, a key to the positive experience of giving feedback is believing that you're being heard. So we we kind of approach that in a couple of ways to make sure the client. Uh, feels heard when they're giving us feedback. Uh, I mentioned earlier that, that we really encourage weekly calls, and those are calls between the line managers on the client side and the actual operations supervisors on our side. And the purpose of those calls is to talk through any questions or issues that we've got, but also to, to delve into what the client thinks is working particularly well and not working particularly well. And we'll listen carefully to that and respond uh, with adjustments to the output that we're providing to them. And the best way to make them feel heard uh, when they're giving us feedback is to show a change in the uh, approach to the work and in, and in the actual output. But that's, that's kind of the, uh, the near-term or short-term solution. We also believe really strongly in, in quarterly business reviews. And those are generally done, if possible, face-to-face, -face, where somebody from our team will travel to meet with the client at their location and not only will those meetings uh, include line managers, but will also include uh, higher level management from the client side. And we'll go through a pretty detailed performance review where we review the metrics for the past quarter um, and make sure that literally everybody in the organization, their organization and ours, is aligned on how the work is going for a specific program. And then we'll try to go a step beyond that too, and we'll try to identify with the line managers and the management from the client side, specific areas that are going to need focus for the next quarter. And those will be things that have been maybe niggling away at the, at, at the client's confidence and how the work's going. So if we can get them to identify that and specify exactly what it is they want to see, then we focus on that for the next quarter and come back at the next review meeting and report out on our, on our progress. And that really is the um, kind of the uh, the, the most effective way to make the client feel heard is we repeat back what they ask for and show them the, uh, the change in, in process and change in results.
That's great. Thanks, John, for that. Let me ask you another question because we're talking about, you know, customers and companies and how to keep retention. So what would be your advice for companies to come up with an effective customer um, retention strategy for their own company? Is there any advice that you could give other companies? You know, the feedback loops that we just talked about, I think, are critical to a longer term relationship so that the, um, the service uh, can really evolve with the client needs. So the that feedback is really the first step. There's no way for the service provider, us in this case, there's no way for us to really know what it is the client wants or where they want to go if we aren't getting regular, ongoing, fairly in-depth feedback. So again, we, we, we stress the importance of the weekly call and the quarterly business review and really use those venues to delve into what it is that the customer wants. And then the, the next step is the flexibility that you mentioned earlier. We've got to be flexible to those needs so that we can develop the solution that meets the, you know, the changing requirements that the client has, whether that's coming up with a whole different set of skills to bring to the client or just a whole different level of performance. It's, it, it's really being responsive to our understanding of those needs that uh, is achieved through being flexible and results in uh, a satisfied client who's going to want to stay where they are. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier about you know cost effective and things like that. Well, businesses uh, which boost customer retention rates by as little as 5%. Saw increases in their profits ranging from five percent to ninety-five percent. So, wow. um, yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a there's a lot of things that companies can do um, to retain their clients. And you mentioned a bunch of you gave us some great examples of how to do that. Hey, John, is there anything else um, that we haven't talked about yet that would be beneficial for people to know? Well, a quick mention. Uh, to kind of build on what you said about retention, the um, you know the most expensive part of a program is the uh, is the beginning. It's the outset. There's an awful lot of time invested up front by the client and by the service provider to learn the business, to provide the training, to provide the extra oversight that's needed early on. So you know what you said really makes sense. That that program's got to have some longevity to it before it really becomes profitable to the client who's making the investment on their side and to the service provider. So it, it, uh, it, it really pays off to go through those upfront steps, whether they be customization or training or uh, integration of processes to make sure that that program is going to sustain itself because that's what it pays yeah, off. Yeah, sound, it sounds good. Yeah. Um, so, John, by the way, thanks for coming on with us. It's once again, John Nichols, a VP Account Management at Personav. Um let me ask you one last question before we let you go. And this is the most important question. I'm going to put you on the spot. Wolverines or Spartans? In general? Yeah. Because <laughs> I, you know. Pick when, one. Uh, well, for basketball, it's Spartans. For football, it's Wolverines. There you go. And I guess hockey, I'd go with Wolverines as well. I forgot how big hockey is in Michigan. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Well, listen, it's been a delight talking to you. Thank you very much for sharing your insight with us. And um, we will uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks again. Thank you, Lucas. I enjoyed it.